Welcome to the Professional AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Landon Jones. Tread lightly. You are about to enter a new dimension. Beyond this point, you will soar to new heights, encounter new sights and sounds. You are moving out of the land of pilot and into the realm of remote operator. You've just entered the Drone Zone. All joking aside, here to talk to us about customized and industrial drone usage is Max Tubman, president of BFD Systems. How are you doing today, Max? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, too. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So it's my understanding that you've been working with remote aircraft for 20 years or more. And I was wondering, what was it like when you first started? And maybe how are things different now? Absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, so when I first started, um, yeah, I'm not that old. I'm 32 now. So I started when I was pretty young and it was as a hobby. And I remember going to the hobby shop with my grandfather and they had little remote control airplanes called control line airplanes. And basically it was an airplane with two strings attached to it. And you stood in the middle of a circle and it just kind of flew around. And if you pulled on one string, the aircraft would go up. And if you pulled on the other one, it would go down. And you just kind of flew it around um, in a circle going up and down until the thing ran out of gas. So that is like probably the most basic remote control aircraft that you can have as far as low tech. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, flying airplanes, uh, gas and electric airplanes, which were remote control. Um, and then from that, I went to go to do helicopters which are, you know, a single rotor looking helicopter. Um, and I did both of those as a hobby for, for years. Um, and then I went to school to do some uh, film production. And uh, there was uh, the GoPro camera came out, like the very popular action cam that came out. And I immediately thought, yeah, I got to put this on a, on a helicopter. So for years, uh, or for a couple of years anyways, I flew those around on helicopters. And, you know, it started as a GoPro, and then you put a DSLR on there, like a, a nicer digital camera. Um, and then I got into multi-rotors, um, which is basically a remote control helicopter, but instead of having one rotor, it has multiple, and that's what people commonly refer to as drones in the, in the commercial space. And when you fly a helicopter or a RC airplane, traditionally, someone would have to teach you. And if they didn't teach you, you would be, have, you'd have so much trouble that you wouldn't make it a couple of feet off the ground without crashing into a million pieces. Um, and you also had to build everything uh, as a kit. So I remember getting my first multi-rotor, a uh, small one, just to kind of mess around. And at first I was flying it and it didn't really see a huge difference. And then I realized that there was an auto stabilize mode that wasn't engaged. And as soon as I hit that auto stabilize mode, the, the aircraft kind of self leveled and that was a real eye opening moment. So, um, you know, the, that was really clear to me that, Oh, this is a big difference, uh, a big change in the industry that, you know, you can have an aircraft that basically flies itself. And that was in 2010 or so. And since then, it's only gotten way, way better. So now they have GPS units um, and other sensors that really help take a lot of the piloting skill out of the pilot and into the automation of the uh, 
of the drone or, or the RC airplane. So uh, in the beginning, it was very difficult to learn. Uh, it took some time, some practice, and now uh, it's become so accessible that you know a lot of our clients are industrial clients that maybe have had a day playing with a RC toy, um, and then you know with a little bit of training from us, they can be flying you know a sensor that's three hundred thousand dollars sensor, and the and the drone basically does all the piloting for them. Can you tell me a bit about the difference between commercial and industrial drones? I mean, a commercial drone technically it would be anything that you're making money with. So uh, you could have, you know, a popular drone today is called a DJI Mavic, and that's really a consumer drone that it, it's great because it's super small. It has a really nice camera on it, but you could use that commercial. So, you know, some people make a whole business off of taking real estate photos from a DJI Mavic. So, you know, one could make the argument that that could be a commercial drone. And I think that they're even releasing a new version of it um, that is going to be geared towards the, what they call the enterprise market. Um, so you could say that's a commercial drone. Now, when we use the word industrial drone in at BFD Systems, we're referring to something that is a little bit more of a industrial grade product. It's, it has built in redundancies um, in the propulsion systems and the power systems and the uh, flight computer systems. And it's built to a higher level of safety. So, you know, say you're working on a, a mine uh, where you're mining a natural resource, uh, that system, that, that industrial drone system uh, have to be able to meet certain safety standards that you would have on any big industrial site. So it might have a parachute. It has either double or triple redundancy throughout the entire system. So that if you're flying um, a payload that cannot uh, be damaged by falling out of the sky or you're flying in an environment that cannot have an incident, you really need to go, you know, take those safety precautions uh, in, in the aircraft that you're using versus, you know, what you could say a commercial drone could be a small, you know, DJI Mavic, which is primarily made of plastic and only has four rotors. So there's no redundancy in the propulsion. So if one rotor has an incident, the thing will just fall out of the sky. Um, so that would be the main difference. I think just the, the level of build quality and uh, safety in the aircraft. So I'm a journalist and I've worked on um, a couple of different projects with documentary film. And one of my projects used um, some drone footage to take a look at some, um, I guess it was private and public land, but mostly public land. You said that you studied film. Have you ever had the chance to build cinema drones? Absolutely. So one of the markets that we uh, service is the cinema drone. And that's um, kind of where I, I entered the drone space, really. Um, so as the technology has gotten better, most of the drones have gotten smaller. So they have small integrated cameras and the cameras have just gotten really great. So for the most part, you know, the cinema drone, which I would classify as a drone that can hold cinema style cameras and lenses, has become less and less um, widely used. But uh, the people who are using them are using them to greater and greater effect. And, you know, some examples are we made uh, some cinema drones for a company that does mostly IMAX movies and 3D IMAX movies. So uh, 
we have a customer who's uh, done a bunch of fantastic movies um, for kind of science programs for, that would play in like a science museum kind of environment. And they needed a, a drone that would hold two cinema cameras on top or on bottom so uh, of the drone. So they want to be able to look up. So say you're flying up a mountain or in a forest and you want to look up at the trees, if the camera is mounted underneath the drone where it traditionally is, obviously you see the arms and the propellers and whatnot. So they want to be able to take that camera and mount it either on top or bottom. So that was, a, and they want to be able to do it within a few minutes without any tools. Now there's a few options out there that exist for that, but nothing on the scale that we were doing where we were putting a, a 40 pound payload on the top or bottom and switching between those two within you know two minutes or, or three minutes or so. Um, so that was a really interesting uh, project. And then also, uh, you know, I'm a, a, a film geek myself and I always like uh, taking still photography in 35 millimeter. And I, I love to see when film productions or TV shows are still shot in film. So it was really great to see, um, you know, some of our customers asking for drones that will fly a 35 millimeter film camera uh, for motion pictures. That's just so cool to me to see the newest technology in, in drone cinematography and taking you know, the classic te technology of 35 millimeter uh, airy cameras and, and mixing those together has been amazing. Um, and then uh, we also, we'll do some contract piloting here at BFD. Um, and we went out and we're in, located in Philadelphia. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Steadicam was invented uh, by a guy named Garrett Brown. The Steadicam is what use, people use to kind of smoothly walk with a camera and, and follow somebody as they're walking through a scene. And the uh, the first, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the first movie that used a Steadicam was Rocky because Garrett Brown, the inventor, did a demo running up the art museum steps with his wife. Uh, He's filming his wife running up these stairs. He showed it to the, the uh, people making Rocky and they said, that's a great demo shot and where are those stairs because we want to use them in the movie. So uh, they end up using it in Rocky and there's that famous shot where he's running through Philadelphia and up the Rocky stairs. The next movie was The Shining, uh, Stanley Kubrick running around the Overlook Hotel and you know, hundreds, uh, if not thousands of movies since then are using Steadicams. So the Steadicam was this monumental um, achievement in, in cinema and reinventing the way that we move cameras. And I would say that, you know, handheld gimbals, which are offshoot of drones, as well as drones, uh, would be another huge um, monumental shift in the way that we move cameras for TV and cinema. So they came to shoot the uh, Creed movie in Philadelphia, which is uh, the, the most recent installment in the Rocky series. And we were, had the opportunity to go fly cinema cameras on, on the Creed film. So to me, being a film nerd and a drone nerd, to be able to fly the latest and greatest technology uh, for cinema production that, that drones have to offer on a Rocky movie, which was kind of the birthplace of the Steadicam, was just like a really excellent moment for, for me and my other colleagues who were working on that project with me. So uh, we still we still dabble in the in the cinema uh, drones. We about 10% of our customers are buying them for cinema and then occasionally maybe 
three or four times a year, you know, if the job is right, we'll go out and, and do, uh, do some flights as well. You know, the, there's something really uh, cool to me about the creative aspect uh, of working on the, uh, on the cinema side, um, but taking that creative aspect and applying it to the industrial side, uh, although it might sound boring to other people, we can actually get way more creative um, with uh, and have a certain degree of freedom in the design and the implementation of these drones on the industrial side. Whereas with the uh, cinema side, we kind of feel like, you know, most people just want to use it for a really quick 30 second or not even like a five second shot and that's it. Um, so, and it's usually not that complicated. So the next, the next best thing for us or, or the next level, I should say, was, you know, what's the next biggest challenge that we can uh, overcome and, and conquer. And that's a really re rewarding part of the job is, um, you know, just meeting these new challenges and, and, and getting a request and being thinking, I don't know how the heck we're going to do this. And then kind of talking with the customer a little bit, an idea forms, and then we go to the drawing board and, and we come up with something that we, we never would have imagined. So your company creates or designs custom drones. I was wondering if you could tell us about some of the problems that you've encountered and then the solutions that you've been able to come up with uh, for your clients. Yeah, great question. So one customer uh, that we have wanted to restore cell phone service to areas where there was a disaster um, and uh, say a cell phone tower had been knocked down. So the problem was obviously a broken tower and a loss of service. And obviously cell phones have become uh, such an important part of our daily lives that that can really make a disaster area uh, much more difficult to navigate uh, emergency supplies or anything else like that. And the other challenge would be that, you know, you have to keep the drone in the air for a lot longer than you typically would off battery power. So uh, what we did was work with a partner to develop a system that would provide electricity up to the drone. Um, and that would keep the drone in the air indefinitely. You know, we've done tests for, you know, 120 hours on the motors. Uh, so the drone could, you know, stay up as long as you can keep filling the, the generator on the ground with gasoline, the drone will just stay in the air. Um, but furthermore, um, the drone had to lift a decent amount of payload because if you're using, you know, big industrial um, cell phone antennas that have to have a lot of bandwidth and reach a, a far distance, those antennas can be about 20 pounds. Um, and then they have to be able to communicate down to the ground to go to a satellite backhaul truck. So what we did was had uh, two fiber optic cables uh, woven into the tether. So the, uh, the drone would be able to get um, information from the ground as far as control to say, hey, go up to this altitude uh, or, or whatever. Uh, you needed whatever the operator wanted the drone to do. And then you have another tether for information coming down from the drone, which would be payload information uh, if depending on what your payload is, um, information about how the drone's health is. So an operator who's not experienced might be able to say, you know, there's an issue with this motor, so let's land it and, and make sure that everything's all right before there's a, a more serious incident. Um, so, so far, to my knowledge, um, we're, there's very few, if any, people who are able to do that type of 
uh, power as well as uh, bandwidth um, of signal up and down the tether. So uh, that was a really interesting project and it's been really amazing to see how those drones can make real impact, especially last year, which was a pretty rough year for Hurricane Harvey and uh, the hurricanes that hit uh, Puerto Rico and other parts of the U.S. as well as wildfires. Uh, th this drone could really help uh, emergency first responders as well as just the general public in those type of situations. Oh yeah, that's really cool. I wasn't even thinking of using drones in, in that way to help out people. Yeah, and one of the things that is so rewarding for for us here at BFD, and it really is a huge team effort, so uh, it really is rewarding for all of us here, is to have a customer come up with a, a crazy idea that we never thought of um, and say, this is a problem we have, what's your best solution? And then for everybody here to kind of put our heads together and figure out, okay, what's the best way to do that? And you know, we have a good mix of people here between mechanical and electrical engineers, as well as just electronic assemblers and, and non-engineers. Um, so everyone kind of brings different strengths and weaknesses to the team, but together it's a, it's a really strong, cohesive um, process. And it's just great to, to work with our clients to come up with uh, custom solutions for problems we didn't even know existed. It sounds like you have one of the coolest jobs that I've ever heard of. Well, it has its ups and downs. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's enjoyable. Well, Max, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, it was nice talking with you. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com backslash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Landon Jones. Until next time. <laughs>